I'm Evelyn Glennie, and you're listening to the Evelyn Glennie Podcast. Today's guest is an utterly fascinating lady who's been described as learned but accessible. Her passion for classics has graced our TV screens and bookshelves, inspiring us all to dig a little deeper into our past. Never short of a controversial word, it can be no other than Britain's best-known classicist, Mary Beard. So let's get listening. Hi, <laughs> <Right>, Mary. <laughs> You've got a cake in hand. <laughs> a cake and a coffee. A homemade, homemade piece of cake there. A nice cherry on top. <laughs> so it was a bit of a challenge getting here, you mentioned. It was... It was it shows you that you should not rely on a satnav. Yeah, but there's major construction going yeah, on. Yeah, but here. I thought Cambridge to Huntingdon, that, that's easy. I just nip up the A14. Well, in principle, that is what you do. It is, isn't except it? when the A14 shut. Yep. And I thought, why is it telling me to to leave the road and to go to Camborne? <laughs> <laughs> and it got worse and worse. Oh. Gosh, though, but you would be used to going from place to place and trying to find your way. Are you a good? No, I'm, but I have no sense of direction. You see, ah. so, so yeah. When I when I'm out with my husband in the car, mm. and I suppose I'm driving, um, you know, he'll say, "Now we ha- we obviously have to turn left here," <laughs> and I think, obviously, have to turn. You know, yeah. Really? Yeah. Isn't that so interesting? I could I could be anywhere. I mean, I can get on the underground and go the wrong way. You know, in London. <laughs> You know, because I can't think. It says Piccadilly Line westbound, and I think, oh, that must be me. (laughs) Isn't it funny how the brain works, though? You know, I mean, you can get an extraordinary mind who's capable of digesting all sorts of complicated things. But they don't know which way they're going. Yeah, it's it's true. But one of the, the things that I find, you know, endearing, I have to say, about you and. You know, you've certainly influenced me in a lot of ways. Is is actually you're a great giggler. <laughs> you laugh at everything, yes, and that kind of yeah. you know creates yeah. an avenue as regards to how you know people like myself who are trying to digest the subjects that you're talking about. It, it almost makes it then approachable. It's, it is. I think it's really important uh, because you know some of the nicest. Um, tweets you get of people who say it was really fun and I learnt a lot mm. you know you and you think you know you don't have to be serious to mm. to get a point across mm. do you think we could laugh at ourselves a bit more nowadays I think we could I mean <laughs> I think we could and partly I think and this is encouraged by social media I, I, I suspect I don't think it's caused but it's encouraged by social media that um that there are a kind of narrowing range of options for how you react to something, you know. Mm. So it's outrage. Well, yeah. you know, this is absolutely outrageous. You know, well, actually, sometimes it's just a bit silly. You know, yeah. Yeah. sometimes you ought to. And you know, I think that that feminism has a bit. And this is a hopelessly wild general generalisation, but feminism has a bit lo- lost its capacity to laugh at men. Mm. You know, it's got terribly angry. And, you know, yes, there's a place yes. for anger, you know, but also there's a place for saying, you know, you silly boys, you know, stop it. Mm. What makes you laugh, though, just in a, in, a, in a natural kind of way? What makes you laugh? 
Oh, I just think the absurdity of everyday life, really. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. like being told on your sat-nav to go to the next <laughs> roundabout. So you then do think, this is quite funny. This is quite funny. But what happens if my phone battery goes? You know, I've only got so much and I've got to get to Ramsey Court. <laughs> and I won't even be able to ring and say I'm lost. <laughs> no, but isn't it... It's, it's interesting because, you know, when I think about my own situation and, and I remember growing up not being able to use a phone because you couldn't hear on the phone. So it meant that I had to write a letter to my yes. parents, you know, when I was yes. a student. And then if I wanted to call them, there had to be someone else to make that call. Um, or you had right. to ask someone for yeah. directions and things like that. And I mean, when we think about the things that we used to do that were just so natural to yes. do, yes. you know, get out of our car and ask someone. somebody. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes. And somehow we feel, no, yeah. we can't possibly yeah. do that yes. because we're, yes. we, no. we might be giving the wrong kind of suggestion or something. I r- remember, um, I wasn't there, but my husband was taking, we were living temporarily in California and um, near San Francisco. And my husband and our son, who was then about 12, decided they'd go on a bit of a road trip into the mountains. And and they were coming back, and the sat-nav ceased to work for some reason. I don't know why. And my husband, Robin, said that our son got really anxious because he said, how should we get... How, how are we going to get back to San Francisco? And you know, he said, well, there's many ways. One, we can look at signposts. They mostly, yeah. they mostly say San Francisco. Or we could ask somebody. Yes. <laughs> this kid had not just thought, was so completely wedded yeah. to the sat-nav yeah, it's true. that he didn't, uh, he, he just thought, if your sat-nav ceased to work, yes, the whole world comes that was to it. an end. Yeah, yeah, no, it's interesting. And I mean, you are pretty active on social media, and for better or worse, <laughs> better or worse, yeah. And I mean, has this been something that you've embraced? Have you found that you're hostage to it, or or did you find that you had to embrace it in order to to move forward, or, or um, is it a nat- natural extension of you? I I would I got onto it, to, and I only do Twitter really. I mean, uh-huh. You know, I have a Facebook account and I have an Instagram account, but I don't look at them. Yep. So why Twitter then? Uh, totally straightforwardly, I think, that I work part-time for the Times Literary Supplement. And Twitter start, when Twitter started, it was a very journalistic medium. Mm-hmm. And we were all told to get Twitter accounts so that when we'd written a review or got a particularly good review in, we would use it for advertising. You know, we'd say, read the TLS this week because there's this, this in it. Mm. And I thought this would be silly, really. But, you know, this isn't going to last, I thought. Mm. Um, but, I, you know, I, I was a good girl and I, I got one. And I, it was when you only had 140 characters, not 280. Yes. So it was really in the old days. But it's, I kind of think that I've learned, I've gained more than I've lost from it. Mm. Because it's now the medium when, well, just in my absolutely professional field and if somebody um, you know, hears about a new discovery of something somewhere it goes on Twitter yeah. you know? yeah. and you know you used to go to conferences and find out all the gossip about what was happening and who'd found what now it's on Twitter yeah. Yeah. 
and yeah. so it kind of so I got into it because it was telling me all sorts of things that were really useful. Sure. Are you still a book person though? Do you like to open a book? Oh yes. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, I don't like reading on Kindle or on my iPad. Mm. I just don't like the. And I'm, I'm sure it's partly because I haven't mastered it yet. You know, so that you know, I, I mean, I kind of I want to pick up a book and I want to be able to flip through it and delve into it a bit. Yep. I, I don't. I mean, maybe there is a way of doing that. It's a texture. Yes, of a book. Yeah, you know, the weight of a book. It's and I just a... I would feel I do sometimes you know read, you know, in the bath for example. Don't, you know, <laughs> don't very often have a bath. You should have a shower, but sometimes very nice. And, yeah. I can't imagine getting into the bath with my iPad. You kind of worry that you'd... I mean, you know, you'd drop it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you drop a book into the bath, well, you know, <laughs> so be it. But the iPad... But with the, the, you know, the internet and the research that you do, I mean, do you find that this has, you know, been an advantage for you? Or do you find that there's an awful lot of um, inaccuracies out there? Do you have to sift through almost like a sieve, I you think, know, the information. Mm, I think it's... Oh, these cakes are brilliant. Um, <laughs> You're munching away there. Munching away. Yeah. Um, I think it's... What it reminds me of is when I was at, at school and it was just the very beginning of calculators. Oh, you, yes. you imagine yeah. a I long remember. time ago. Yeah. And we were told that... You should never use a calculator to do a sum unless you had a rough idea of what the answer was. Mm. Because otherwise you'd have pressed, you know, an extra naught and yep. Yep. it would be absolutely disastrous. Yeah. And to some extent, research on the internet's a bit like that. That you kind of have to you have to sort of know what it is that you're going to find before you start, otherwise it's baffling. But how can that be translated then for younger people? I don't know. And you I, know. I just, I, I don't know. And I, actually I find, oddly, that my students who are, you know, digital natives mm. are in some ways less good at finding things on the internet than I am. Because they, and, and I was talking to a colleague about this, you know, he says that students would always come in and say, oh, I can't find that. You know, I've looked, I've looked on, you know, mm. I've looked on, I've Googled it and I can't find it. And almost always you do. You, yep. you kind of say, mm. look, I bet I can. Mm -hmm. And it, we came to the conclusion it was because they didn't really know what it was they were looking for. Do you think it's that or do you think it's the... Um, they need the answer now. It's the perhaps the reluctance to keep digging, it, digging, digging. I think it perhaps it's lack of perseverance. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I mean, it's like a, a lot of people either tweet me or um, email me to say, "Dear Professor Beard, um, I wonder if you could help. Uh, we are wanting to know when Euripides died." You know, <laughs> and I can. My first instinct is to think. Over oh, crying out loud, you know, I'm going to Google it. You could have done that, yes, <laughs> you know. Yes, oh, so yes. why are you asking me? I've come to the conclusion there's two reasons. That one is actually they want that information from a source of authority. Mm -hmm. You know, they want they want they want someone who they trust to tell them what the answer is. Mm -hmm. um, 
But I also think that, you know, I just think, I'm just going to go to the wiki page for Euripides and it'll tell me when he died. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't carry that around my head. Yeah. But when everything about that character, Euripides, say, is strange to you, mm. you, you do have this kind of sense that you don't know how to sift the information. You don't know, you know, if it's on wiki, is that true? Mm. You know, I know that, you know, what would look barking mad, you know, which is Euripides died in 1927, you know, mm. and I'd think... <laughs> No, he didn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. But if if you have no framework in which to put it, sure. the internet is just baffling. Mm, mm. I and I mean, it's it's interesting because I find on a slightly different level, we we sometimes get uh, messages from young percussion players who yeah. will ask, "Well, how do you set your instruments? Where? How do you position your instruments for a certain piece of music?" Now, the setup is completely personal to your your height to your <laughs> arm stretch to yeah. how you yeah. uh, you know hear and listen to the sound how you want the the setup to be orchestrated and all sorts of things you know where uh, on the platform you you want your instruments to be positioned etc etc so it's a very personal yeah, thing yeah. and uh and so we we do normally say well look please send us your suggested setup of instruments and then we'll gladly yeah. make a comment you yeah. know but but it is this feeling that well because of the immediacy of yes. of the yes. internet yes. and how we communicate that there's this yes. almost expectancy to yeah. to please just answer my question yes it know, t- which, and which uh, the thing that really annoys me you know i'm very pleased that the internet allows people to ask questions of people they wouldn't otherwise mm. have really known how to contact or whatever mm. i'm i'm pleased um even if it is quite time consuming I just wish they'd say thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I just, then, you know, then, I mean, you know, even when it's a very simple question and you do have the, you know, the feeling of they could have looked this up themselves, yeah. it takes you a bit of time to do it. I mean, yeah. there's no question which doesn't have a turnaround time of a minimum of 10 minutes, really. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, and you, you must get loads of them, you know, each day. I get loads of them. Yeah. And I try to. Uh, I, I sometimes miss them, I'm sure, but I try to answer. Yeah. And I just, when I don't get a thank you, yeah, it's a, I just it's think, despondent. I think, you know, I put I put a lot of effort into that. I yeah. mean, it might only have been 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. But it's, it all adds up. But it adds up. And yeah. just occasionally, when they've come on email, I do write back and say, did you get my answer? Yes. <laughs> and that's another minute or two. Because I just, you know, I'm, you know yeah. mostly you just think, oh, Yep, yep. But just occasionally, I think, if you say thank you, it makes a huge difference. Well, you feel there's an opportunity to continue the conversation, yeah, yeah, actually, you right. know, if, yeah. if that person oh. does decide to, to come back yeah, and, yeah, and so on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, otherwise, you're just becoming a human Google. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you don't want to say thank you, then Google it. <laughs> You've made Sorry. the comment. No, it's all right. No, you have another bite of the cake. And we'll calm down. We'll get off our soapbox. But you've made the comment that it's not what I look like, but what I do. And indeed, you are a role model to um, so many of us, myself included. But do you feel that social media has allowed people to talk about and comment about, you know, appearances or, or things that just simply we would never have really thought about before or made such an well, effort to spend time on I mean you're talking about 10 minutes you know yeah. responding to stuff and yet the amount of time 
people can spend on, you know, wh- where is it getting us at the end of the day, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I ask myself that question, and I, and I wonder how far social media are responsible for this, or whether they're just revealing what we did always. And I suspect mm. that they are revealing and sadly sharing with the whole planet mm. um, things that people did talk about before. I don't think I don't yeah. think we've become nastier because of social media. Mm. Uh, I think that social media have revealed to us our nastiness. I mean, mm. people, you know, I get really, you know, really vile comments like, you know, your vagina smells like a cabbage, you know, and you think, you know, both stupid <laughs> yeah, and pretty yeah. vile. And but you wonder what... You think... Uh, then I think, look, actually, uh, that kind of guy has always said that sort of thing. Mm. But I was not there to hear it. Mm. You know, mm. they were saying it in the back room of the pub at what was closing time, you know. And, yes, and yes. they would... It, and it was private. I mean, it's what yeah. it's done is it's turned all the stupid things that people say... Mm. privately mm. into a kind of part of public discourse mm. and i think that's that's what's changed yeah. you know like if you know if you want to spend your time at 11 o'clock at night saying stuff like that with your mates you know i don't care really yeah. i mean i'd perhaps rather you didn't but mm. i don't know about it mm. you know mm. you know everybody you know needs to have a bit of downtime where Absolutely. they say things that other people yes. don't know but yes. when other people do know You've changed that. It becomes a whole different sort of world, really. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose, really, you know, I'm just trying to marry it up with, um, again, thinking about being a musician and and where you give a performance, and you know that as soon as you get on on stage or do anything, that some people will like it and some people won't. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. but it is often the case where, um, you know, any negative comment will well. Obviously, it used to be written in, in newspapers and in, in reviews and so on, but now, of course, it now can go on it social go, yes. media. But yeah. it, it is important, though, for us to, you know, we're, we're perfectly capable of getting up the next day, going back to the drawing board, listening to ourselves, analysing what needs to be weeded or sorted mm. or yeah. fixed yes. or improved or developed or whatever, but at the same time also thinking well actually you know that wasn't a bad effort you know and I think that that listening to ourselves is is really crucial yes yeah no I think that's right is is really crucial no I I I think that there's there has become a kind of sense that you can transmit anything and you don't have Mm. to there's no there's no receiving of this Mm. word sounds information and somebody Mm. wrote to me yesterday and said, dear uh, Mary Beard, can I tell you how completely vile you are? Oh, God. What did you do? I mean. Well, I thought, because it, you know, it was Sunday, and I thought, all right. So I wrote back, and I said, look, I don't imagine that you were expecting a reply to that, mm. but I really would like you to um, just kind of explain what, mm. what, the, what, what my vileness consists in. Mm. Mm. I didn't think I'd get a reply, and but the person wrote back and said, oh, "I haven't got time to do that, and you wouldn't want to hear it." Oh my lord, isn't that interesting? And yeah. you thought, yeah. And I suppose someone like you know the young Greta Thunberg that right. you know is is sort of 
is making such an incredible impact, you know, in the world that I suppose she's impacting things to a greater degree other than climate matters, you yes. know, the fact that she's turning up at these extraordinary world gatherings and yes. events, you know, in baggy trousers and a woolly yeah. hat or something, yeah. you know, that but I think young folk will be looking at her and yeah. thinking, well, hold on a second, you know, yeah. it isn't always about, you know, what right. we're wearing, how our no, I how think our that's being is. And I think she's, yeah. she's No, really I think that's right. And I think it's I think you can do quite a lot by saying you know, look, um, you just have you have to decide for yourself about how you want to present yourself to the world. But there's not mm. there's not one right way. Mm. And you know, when I got really you know, hammered by people like A. A. Gill, you know, for mm. saying, you know, you know, she's coming into our living rooms on the television. You, you might make an effort, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, I was quite surprised that um, in that battle, which is now. I, I think an easier one. Um, the Daily Mail took my side. I was—I really thought that the Mail would say, "Quite right, A.A. Gill. You know, yeah. you know, you have—you know—we want women to look that." Yeah. And then I realised, and I'd, I'd said something about, "Look, the, just get real. This is what." I was then in my mid-fifties. This is what a 50-something-year-old woman looks like, mm. you know, when she's not had work done. You know, this <laughs> yeah. is what she looks like. And I kind of realised that the Daily Mail are quite smart about their demographic, and they're read by people who look like me. And they actually didn't like him or anybody else yeah. Yeah. saying, we don't, want, we don't want you to look like you are. Mm. We want you to look like you're not. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so I think there's a lot of support out there yeah. for, yeah. Yeah. The, you yeah, know, whether it's Greta in her woolly hat or whatever. Mm-hmm. Does fame sit well with you? Had you had you envisaged yourself being a, a personality, celebrity? Do those words sit comfortably with you? Do you uh, use I it don't. Embrace it or? It'll go, won't it? It will go. Um, yeah. I think that's... I mean, I, I suppose I think several things. One is I don't feel like a celebrity. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know I notice on Twitter that people refer to me as one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, you know, you know, I think of myself as a, you know, a now quite elderly academic who does some telly, you know. Yeah. Um, so I don't think of myself in those terms at all, you know. It's slightly surprising. I think when I'm thinking on through that, I think that I'm terribly pleased that in my twenties nobody knew who I was. You know, now you've been you have been famous for a very long time, haven't you? I have. Well, I don't see myself as being famous either. But but but, you know, people know a little bit what you do, but. Yes, but I remember as a teenager when when the kind of interest first started, I was, I felt really uncomfortable. Yeah. There was a kind of strange yeah. thing in that I I felt, ooh, you know, your pictures in the paper or something, yeah. you know, that kind of yeah. teenage sort yeah. of fascination. But but then at the same time, you felt as though you know you didn't open the curtains because no, you felt embarrassed. No, that's, that you were yeah, in the no, paper. that's that's so, and, and that's, I think that. I mean, maybe there are people who embrace some sort of celebrity at whatever level from a very early age and manage it. I think that I'm just much more resilient than I was. Mm, mm. 
I think it's interesting what you said about the fact that, well, you know, fame or remembering or any kind of, you know, recognition, it, it, it takes a long time to build that if that is your aim, but then five minutes, it, it, it just disappears. Go to go, you know, and it I think that, um, you know, that's an, another reason why I'm glad that, it, that what I do in the media or in public or whatever is is a kind of it's I suppose I think of it as a bit of a hobby really it's my oh. it's it's a it's on, it's a bit on the side that's what it is yeah. and it will go because the kind of stuff that I do on telly um we know that fashions change we know that you're you know you what BBC two wants to put on for a few years but then there'll be somebody else they want to put on and they're not quite sure they want that you know do they really want granny with you no know, kind of hobbling around um, and you know they'll be very nice but you won't get the gigs and um you know i think that i will look back to this time it was certain nostalgia but i'll be back in the university library and i'll be yeah, doing my yeah. stuff and yes. you know in in some ways quite happy mm. you know perhaps in some ways more happy than but thinking oh god someone's having a go at me on twitter you know yeah. Oh, yeah. but do you think that television has given you the freedom to tap into subjects in the way that you want yeah i mean i think it's um it's a privilege in some ways mm. i think to i mean I, th I think it's a privilege to be able to say and this certainly won't last. I think it would be great to do a programme on such and such. Yeah. And to be able to go away and do it. Mm. And, you know, it's, and to share it with more than, you know, a group of 25 students. And that's one, it's wonderful sharing with a group of 25 yeah. clever students. It's great. But you kind of think, well, can't we share it a bit more widely than yes. that? Yes. Yeah. And so. Yeah. It's, you know, I've been very lucky, really. Yeah. I think I'm assuming that you do most of the re research for your programs yeah. because you, you know you being, you know, I, the kind of expert. I it. can't imagine. I mean, I'm sure there are yeah. people who just say what they're told to say. You know, someone else has done all the work, yeah, yeah. and they then read, learn the script. Mm. But that would be awful. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I would be. It would be so boring and so frustrating. You know. Mm. I mean, what I th what I think is interesting about it is people often say, "Oh, it must be must be so kind of such a low level doing things for television," and it really isn't for me. Mm. The the kind of work you put in to do a telly program mm. is is basically no different from the kind of work you put in to do a course of lectures for students. Mm. You know, you might. I mean, it's a different medium, and you don't assume that. Your, the people who are listening to you or looking at you uh, will know some of the things that students know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, students, when they first come up, are pretty ignorant. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. clever but ignorant. Yeah. They're not really different from, uh, from a television audience. Sure, yeah. You know? But um, you've said in the past that, you know, it's a compliment to call a man ambitious <laughs> but really a compliment if the same is said of a woman and that a woman can be you know deemed as being pushy perhaps yeah. so you know society as a whole has set images associated with um female and 
male roles. Mm. But do you feel that, you know, Britain is perhaps leading the way or is on the, you know, on a positive path as regards to equality? I don't think it's going backwards. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not sure about it leading the way. And I think it's, it's very, very hard to calibrate at any one moment. Yeah. You know, you know yeah. what what criteria you use. I mean a lot of people have said and it's rightly, you know, if you take one obvious index, which is women in the parliament, mm. that it is absolutely striking that Rwanda has the most over you know, well over fifty percent of members of parliament in Rwanda are female. A female, yeah. And you don't quite know whether that means that Rwanda's got it sorted mm. or whether it means look they're just coming out of a terrible brutal civil war mm. you know and actually this is this is skewing what's going on you mm. know you mm-hmm. know there's you know my suspicion is that in Rwanda parliament isn't where the power is yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. so I feel torn between saying look there's a, a you know a country that you know, after all its terrible recent history, has somehow got this right. But then I think maybe that's because Rwanda, the power in Rwanda is lodged elsewhere. Parliament doesn't matter very much. Mm. I suspect that. I mean, I have a kind of a, a, a rule of thumb which says the more women you find in any particular institution, the less powerful that institution is. <laughs> And it, but those kind of observations, which are partly joking, but um, make it quite hard to actually know how we're doing. I mean, yes. I can see that. I mean, I know that things have changed since I was a child. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can, so I can see that the the path is in the right direction. Mm, mm. Um, and you know, I just remember I used to think that Parliament was full of men in suits, and it was full of you know, mm. it was. Uh, and it isn't there. Mm. How quickly we're going and whether we're doing better than uh, other places is hard. I think we're probably doing better than the United States. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I don't think what Hillary Clinton faced would be faced in quite the same way publicly here. Sure, sure. I, I, I understand that. Um, so I think, you know, and you look at things that we have come to take for granted that you don't find in the United States, like... You know, paid maternity leave. Yeah. You, know, you know, my American friends look in amazement. Absolutely, yeah, interesting. So right. there are. I mean, I think we're certainly doing better than mm. some of our near rivals, but I don't know how quickly it's going. I mean, I think that I think we've got to a sort of point where the changes that now we have to affect, like in language, you know, like the use of the word ambitious or whatever. Those are really changes that require people to think quite differently. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not practical changes. They're not, you know, we can have um, workplace nurseries or whatever. Um, they're really about how we think about ourselves. And that takes, mm. that takes generations, I think. Mm, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, you know, I've grown up um, as a farmer's daughter, whereby both my mother and father worked equally on the farm, yeah. mm. you know, mm. I mean, truly yeah. equally on yeah. the farm. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, when I started percussion, 
there was only one boy playing percussion yeah. at school. But then when I became a full-time student, I was the only girl. Yeah. You know, it, it, it completely mm. flipped. And yeah. But I've grown up, I suppose, in an environment whereby it, the gender aspect simply didn't come into play, you uh, know, in anything that... that no. it, it, it didn't for me until I went to university, I think. Mm. I mean, I also, for when I was very young, I grew up in, in the middle of the countryside, and like you say, women worked, the, quote, farmers' wives, mm. were just as active and influential on the farm and hard-working and, as, as the blokes. And I went to an all-girls school, Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got to Cambridge as an undergraduate that I noticed that there were things, there, there were people in the world mm. who thought that you know, there were some things that women shouldn't be doing. Sure, yes. And yeah. maybe I'd been very dim before. Maybe my parents had been overprotective. <laughs> um, no, but I'd yeah, read but all these bits of you know, nineteen yeah. seventies feminism, sixties and seventies, you know, Germaine Greer and stuff. And I was very interested in it, but I thought it was all a bit theoretical. Mm. You know, mm. Nobody had ever said to me sure. anything yeah. like that. So I thought it was all kind of... Feminism was a bit in the head, really. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose it boils down to what you provide. I mean, again, just thinking about a little story I have where um, when I first started playing uh, professionally as a percussionist, and of course percussion concertos, were so new then, yeah. you know, they were yeah. very rare for orchestras to to put on. And, and I remember turning up with one orchestra and the conductor asked if I would mind setting up at the back. And and I said, well, I would be happy to set up at the back, provided the next piano concerto you do, the piano is at the back, back of the, the orchestra, you know, or the violinist is at the back yeah. of the orchestra or the yeah. whatever concerto yeah. you, you have, that yeah. the soloist is at the back. So you've yeah. got to be fair to everybody, you know. Yeah. And uh, but it was a kind of interesting yeah. Yeah. aspect, an interesting yeah. comment to yeah. to make, and and expect that to be <laughs> digested. <laughs> so, but I mean, ultimately, it's standing your ground. Yeah, that's you know, you know it is actually. You do have to be, and I think I, I think one shouldn't feel ashamed of this. You know, you've got to so be important. got to be a bit. You know, it's what the Clintons in their book, and I think it's a horrible American word in some ways, but you know exactly what it means. You've got to be a bit gutsy about this. Well, it's 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 almost as though um, I'm not even sure if if gutsiness has to come into play. It's it's more it's. This this is simply this. I mean, a bit of common sense. Yes, yes common sense. You yes, know, yes I, common sense. Yes, instead of gutsy, it's yeah, commonsensical. It's kind of but I do right. notice a kind of sometimes a, a sense in which my younger female colleagues, the ones I see on Twitter, really mm-hmm. see it as not that they feel a bit kind of defeated okay. by stuff. Mm-hmm. Which I think they should just stand up to. Just there was I, I intervened in a Twitter conversation a few weeks ago where someone had said fairly typical kind of young, young early career academics. They'd submitted an article to a periodical, and it had come back with various comments, some of which were wrong. The comments were maybe had not understood, and there was a lot of stuff then on Twitter about. That this is this is because you know you're an early career woman. I bet all the readers were men. You know, probably were, but you know. And eventually, I said, "But just write back and say they're wrong." <laughs> you 
interestingly, they turned on me, you know, as, as if somehow, you know, that was, you know, why should we have to fight for the, I don't, just say they're wrong, you know. Yeah, yeah. Have you got to the point where you don't care anymore? You know, you know, sometimes when, as years go by, I find that, you know, sometimes I just say, oh, you know, something that might have bothered me earlier on. Might, I, now I just say, oh, yeah, over. let it cry, just let it, you know. I... I think I feel I feel less wound up with it all, you know. Mm. I I mean I tend to find things uh, you know faintly amusing <laughs> that I would previously and I think it is about age a bit, you know, yeah. that I previously would have got a bit cross about. And so when I kind of criticize as I do sometimes, you know, the young <laughs> for just being cross about everything instead of thinking it's funny, that's probably what an old lady says. Yes, <laughs> you know, I probably is. Um, yeah, but yeah. I think that it's, you know, it it's kind of, there is a sort of water off a duck's back mm. bit of mm. of all this. Yeah. Do you think we're listening together as a society? I would be a bit more tolerant. Is all everything that we've talked about, you know, due to that kind of yeah. no. underlining no. aspect? No, I think we're not listening. And I think that, I don't think social media helps in that. I don't think it's the cause. I mean, I, I'm not one to... You know, it's a bit too easy, I think, to blame social media for everything. Mm. Um, but I, th- I think we don't, uh, we don't listen. And at the same time, we don't try to persuade, mm. and we don't enjoy. We don't get enjoyment out of disagreement, mm. and to get enjoyment out of disagreement, you have to listen to the other side. And I think that you know, there's a, there is a tendency to become a bit tribal and to say, you know, I want to spend my time with people who I agree with. Well, actually, I like spending my time with people I don't agree with, too. And and I think that I think the world would be so appalling if we all agreed with each other all the time, Mm. if we were all nice to each other the whole time. We don't Mm. want... We don't actually want a world like that. Mm. Well, that would change the interpretation of music, for starters, because, of course, you know, when we're dealing with a piece of music, we're dealing with love and anger and, you know, gentleness and aggression and, you know, quiet and soft past, present, you name it, distant, present, you know, whatever the case may be. We Mm. need those emotions to... You know, and Any I, artist yeah. does. Do you see yourself as an expert or a specialist, or is there such oh. a thing? Or <laughs> well, I'm covered with crumbs. <laughs> I see myself as an expert in Roman history, mm-hmm. but I think that what's what I think is good about expertise is that it gives you a kind of firm base. And I think what I what I'm very, what I much like is exploiting my expertise. To look at things that are, that I could not claim to be an expert in, although mm. have done, you know, have worked in in a way. Mm. But I think that expert expertise in something gives you a gives you an extraordinarily good foundation for talking about other things. Yes, you, you know, because you've got to know what it would be to know. And, That's really interesting. And then you you can talk more interestingly about other stuff mm. because you know what it is to know about it. And you know what you need to ask, and I mean, you know, it's a bit like you know whether you can use Google efficiently, you know, and the whole idea that somehow an expertise in something helps you in 
everything else that you do. Mm, it's like a launch. It's a launch pad. Home, I think so. Really, I suppose I could. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of thinking out loud here, but but you know, if you think of drums or a, a, a drum kit player, where the the kick bass drum, the snare drum, and the hi hat, those are the three essential pieces in order for you to know how to play a drum yeah. kit. Yeah. Anything else, it's just you know, you're yeah. then asking questions. They're extras. Yeah. They're yeah. You know, expansions of yeah. what you do, your ideas, yeah. your curiosity, yeah. your yeah. imagination, and so on. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think you know, and I think attacks on experts, you know, yes. <laughs> is you know generally a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. What's the difference in your mind between being listened to and being heard? Mm, I think that's quite interesting um, because I was. Yeah, coming here today, you know, when, when I wasn't battling with the roundabouts, I was, you know, thinking. <laughs> I was thinking about that in, in many, in many different forms. And, I mean, I think that one of the things that women would often say, and I suppose this is kind of slightly glossing listened to, but that they open their mouths, but nobody takes them seriously. Mm. So they're heard, but they're not they're not as it were the authoritative owners yeah. of their voice and their opinions mm. and you know mm. there's the great cartoon that I started women and power mm. with of the blokes around a table and one woman and uh, she's obviously just said something and the guy in the chair is saying that's a great suggestion miss triggs would one of the men like to make it yes. now <laughs> and what i think is amazing about that is that you can show that cartoon to women everywhere in the world that I've been you can show it to women in all kinds of different you know working in different capacities mm. here not just enough every woman I've met it, it registers it yeah. instantly registers mm. that you you open your mouth you're heard but you're not listened to mm. but why I mean why is this is now obviously you know we can't truly truly answer that but I mean has it something to do with sound the frequency of you, you know how it hits the, the upper part mm. of the body I, when, when I play a bass drum it's the lower part and I have to say I love that feeling the resonance yeah. but is there something in the messages we put forward to do with the sound the I, connection of sound I think at a certain level yes the uh, you know the old stories you know goes back certainly to Margaret Thatcher and before that you know she was told to lower her voice mm. because a high pitched voice doesn't get taken seriously um, and a lower one does uh, and it's absolutely fascinating listening to tapes of Thatcher's speeches from different points <laughs> at her career and mm. you can you know she comes yeah. down you know amazing. It is amazing, and, and I am told, though I don't go to these kind of things, I'm told that if you go now, you're a woman, and go on a leadership course, mm. one of the things they advise is to speak <laughs> low. Unbelievable. Yeah. There, is, there is a connection. I mean, what I'm interested in is what that connection rests in, and it is obviously possible, though I think it's unlikely, it is obviously possible that there is a neurological connection mm. between some bit of the brain which says take this seriously mm. and 
deep low sounds mm. uh, and conversely between high pitched sounds going to bits of the brain which says you can ignore this now I, I cannot deny the possibility that there is that kind of biological neurological connection mm. I think much more likely is that it's culture that you know we take low voices seriously because that's what men have mm. and what the the real cause of this is that men are taken seriously and women aren't yeah. and so um, all the kind of epiphenomena of masculinity like a low voice um, mm. a suit yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have learnt to read as trustworthy and authoritative mm. it's interesting because in because for me, looking at someone is so important more than the yeah. register of their yes. voice or whatever. Yeah. It's actually the eyes that that are extremely important. You know, I mean, the right. whole yeah. face, the whole body language, but it's the eyes that make me feel, do I want to digest what that is being said? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not based no, well, so much on the frequency yeah. of the, the, whether it's man or woman, it makes no difference. Do you think that women behave differently with their eyes. I think women make more connection right. with their eyes and are quite willing to hold that connection more right. Um, right. without giving a, a, another yeah. type of message, you know. Yeah. They're yeah, yeah. definitely willing to yeah. hold that yeah. eye contact, really. Yeah. Which men um, are less willing to do. Yeah, there's a sweeping statement, yes, of but, course, but yeah. yes, yeah. definitely. No, that's very definitely. interesting, isn't it? Yeah. But I mean, just thinking... Um, you're, a great, you're a great subject then, aren't you? Because... <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but anyway. Um, but just to, to move on a little bit, but, um, you know, what, what's been interesting in, uh, with you is that obviously you've written a myriad of academic papers and over the years, but you've often revised them, you've rethought about your yeah. ideas, yeah. your views, yeah, yeah. just like a piece of music, you yeah. know, how we played something... Yeah five years ago, ten years ago, whatever changes. Yes, that's very interesting. And that's yeah. interesting, yes. you know, yeah. that do you think that we could all take a leaf out of your book and think about reflection but more on a daily basis? I'm not talking yeah. about religiously or, or no, you know, I think, connected. I, that I think that's absolutely right and I think that, you know, I suppose it requires in a degree of self-confidence mm. um, particularly in the academic world where people get very much held to yeah. um, things they've written. I think it, it requires self-confidence to say, I'm not sure I was right. Mm. Um, I think perhaps I'd, I'd do it differently now. <laughs> and I think reflection is is, a, is quite self-confident mode. Mm. Mm. You know, you have to be prepared to look at yourself. Yep, yep. It's um, very interesting, that. And I think it's not always easy. A friend of mine always used to say, and... Uh, fits rather with what you're saying is that the best person to review a book is the author (laughs) because they know what's the matter with it and Mm. you know the what's important is that they should be able to you know formulate what's the matter with it and so when you read other people's reviews of your books you're all the time hoping that they haven't spotted what you know the fault is (laughs) (laughs) yes it's funny that because yesterday I was um reviewing a piece of music that I hadn't played in, in a number of years and uh, and I discovered that I had misread the rhythm throughout the whole piece or the 90% yes. of the piece 
And so all my past interpretations of this particular piece of music is now on the internet and not a single person has noticed Notice. this difference from the notated yeah. page but I've grown to quite like the yeah. you know this yeah. difference as it were <laughs> and then I thought to myself hmm, you know I'll just sort of have a real look at this again and and which I thought I'd done the first time of course but um, and realized that there was this tiny difference that gave it a completely different lilt actually yes. And but rather than feeling despondent or oh crumbs, you know I've played it all wrong or something, yeah, yeah. I just thought thought to myself, well, actually, you know there are different avenues that you can yeah. approach something, yes. and, and yes. you know it's okay, yeah, it's okay to think right, okay, a, a, a little boo boo has happened there, but it's not wrong. Oh, no, that's right. No, you know, no, and, but it's that record, that's self confidence. <laughs> that is self confidence. <laughs> You know, and I admire it. And there's a difference between self-confidence and arrogance because yes. I think self-confidence is something which does, uh, you know, it, it it means exploring what's the matter with you as well as what's not yes. the matter. Yes. It's not pride. Yeah. It's about a, well, you know, it's a, it's it's like being able to look at yourself in the mirror. Yeah. 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 I think it's it's also about you know, respect of what you do yes. and knowing that there's just, you yeah, know, a, a never-ending journey yeah. here. Yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, and I, I think that so often women are encouraged in some way to to act a part that they're not, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, you know, to, to be, uh, it's wild overgeneralisation, but, you know, to be a woman is to be, is to be pretense in mm-hmm. some way. You have to mm-hmm. adopt... Uh, a, a style of being, which is not, which you don't feel is you, and that's you know that goes from everything from makeup to to how you sound and how you look, mm. and I think that that self confidence is when you kind of when you recognise you as you, mm. and what I am struck by when I, when I look at myself on the telly, which I don't very much, um, <laughs> that seems a bit sort of self-regarding narcissistic yes, it's a funny but, but I know that when I look I think I reckon I, I, I think that's me that's me speaking that's yeah. me yeah. Um, I, and I'm so I haven't been turned into something sure. that I'm not I mean sometimes I think you could have done that better you know that didn't go very well or that yeah. was a really good you know so it's not a a, a judgment which kind of comes down to praise yep. but it's kind of recognition of self there yep. and I think that that goes very much for the confidence to speak out and when I was much earlier on in my career people now find this completely amazing because I don't shut up really but um, <laughs> they, I I would go to seminars and I just could never speak you know I could I had things to say but Somehow I could never get in, you know, I could never actually insert my point. I, I couldn't, mm. and, and I know a lot of women at the time, and I think still do, found that, that they couldn't, it wasn't that they hadn't got ideas, but the, but the, the way the conversation went in academic discussion didn't have a part for them. And now I find I don't have, have any problem. And people often say, well, so how did you manage, you know, how did you go from, what happened? Mm. Which meant that mm. at a certain point you couldn't say anything, even though you had things to say, mm. to being able to. And, Absolutely. And, you know, and I think, um, well, the truth is I don't know what happened. But one thing I do know now, and that is different from 
what it was like for me 40 years ago, is that when I speak in a seminar, it's a bit like I'm looking at myself on the telly. I, I, I'm, it's me speaking. I, you know, I am speaking. I hear myself. I know that's me. Mm. I am saying, and I think that when I was much younger, I was, I was pretending to be somebody else, really. Mm. You, know, you know, how do you get it? Excuse me, or whatever. You yeah. thought there was a kind of script mm. that you had to adhere to mm-hmm. in order, and of course... That made it feel very odd. You felt again. You felt like an actor, not not like you. Mm. And I think the difference is that I stopped pretending to be an academic Mm. with all the things that I thought I ought to say Mm. and all the kind of bits of rhetoric that they. But sir, you know, kind of, you know, um, that I stopped all that and I just started to. Somehow, I was able to speak and and hear myself speaking as me and I think you know rather than hear the words coming out of your mouth Mm. I'm thinking who's that Mm. but um just just thinking about your writing you you did write a book called Good Working Mother's Guide (laughs) years ago and but what were the challenges in being a working person and a mother I I mean it was so exhausting that I can barely recall it. You oh know? my gosh! You know, yeah. I know that it was. You know, you're very excited, and I suppose the pleasure of your children tends to outweigh the sheer exhaustion of having them. I think, and uh, I mean, I remember you know, when my, I think it's my daughter. She's the older one. I remember kind of just spending the days would pass but kind of I, I was back at work still breastfeeding you know and you'd mm. get in the car go and teach students come back home to breastfeed go back you know and, and you know it kind of I mean I suppose you're kind of slightly anaesthetized yeah. I mean I, I got to think that was normal yeah. <laughs> I mean no it isn't no it's, it's fascinating I mean I don't have children so it's 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 hard for me to really yeah. understand the challenges that, that you know, people and like yourself would have gone through. And I think it's... I mean, I was lucky because I was at a woman's college. Yeah. And I think that, you know, not... You know, there are all sorts of reasons for and against single-sex education, but in terms of <laughs> um, the support at that kind of time, you know, you're actually having lunch in college with quite a lot of other people who knew exactly what you were going through, and that's... And the blokes just don't. I mean, I think it's. Mm. I think it's. There is nothing. I think, in the however evenly childcare is divided. And my husband certainly did his fair share. Mm. But however evenly it's divided, there is there is something, and I think it's cultural. But other people would say it was biological. There's something which the the kids never out of. The mother's head. I I used to think my husband he did his fair share, but when he went out, then that, that, that was it. Separated. Yes. Yes. Whereas you know, uh, you know, it was it was really interesting. You know, being at a college full of women who were sitting there thinking, "Oh my God, I forgot to pack the ballet shoes." You know, kind <laughs> yeah, of. Yeah. You know, and you could see that it never that it, it never stopped. It never, never yeah. stopped for them. Yeah. Yeah. And, Has it ever stopped? <laughs> and I think it. I, I think it doesn't really. I think yeah. it just doesn't stop. Um, you get to manage it better. But isn't that the joys of 
Yes, I'm making it. I'm making it. So all the tearing the hair out kind of thing is also the joy. Yes, I'm making it sound as if it's (laughs) definitely a non recommendation. (laughs) Well, it is, you know, it's extremely pleasant, and you wouldn't do, I wouldn't have um, missed it for the world. And because you you learn better how to deal with it in retrospect, you know, Mm. I think, you know, and there is, and I was victim of this. You know, an appalling kind of macho. I'm going to do everything, and it's not going to stop me. You know, um, and I think if I had to recommend anything to somebody, it would be, you know, you don't have to do everything. You know, it actually doesn't matter if you miss a couple of meetings. It really doesn't. Sure. Yeah. So prioritizing, and do you think it's easier for for women nowadays in the workplace? You know, to start families, to have the understanding from employers from I think it's formally easier Mm. I mean you know my daughter's just had a baby and you know she has longer maternity leave than I did and there are more nurseries and you know she she doesn't she didn't have to kind of fight her way into childcare Mm. um and more ways to keep tabs on on the support system, that's, you know what I mean? Right. Through you know, and there's and that's that. right, yeah. that's right, mm. yes. Interesting. But I don't think it's you know, I think it's still very t- I mean, there's nothing like not having sleep <laughs> to make life seem hell, you know. <laughs> Well, I, I can only sort of relate to your experiences of having children to um, the mountains of percussion instruments that, that I see as my children thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, have I got all, all of the, the right gear? Do I have the right yeah. sticks? Do I have, oh, did I remember to yes. pack the castanets or something? Yes. 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 Just, I mean, and then finally, when you get to play music, it's like, oh, oh yes. You know, it's, it's quite nice. But just to... to um, uh, come to the end with the last few questions really is as a civilization. I mean that is what you've studied for, for so long but how do you see the world in 3,000 years time? Oh God. <laughs> um, do you think we'll be here? I don't know. Well I know. I think it's always that is always um, a very useful question to ask. Okay. And uh, but I tend to ask it with, with a slightly different Nuance, okay. which is let's imagine, and I don't go three thousand too too long yeah. away from it because yeah. it's impossible to imagine. But I do sort of think, what will the historians, people like me, mm. working in four hundred, five hundred years time, what will they be writing about us? Yes, exactly. What will they think is really weird? You know, what will they think is you know as, is as shocking about what we. Mm. As we think about the Romans, you know, mm. you know, mm. you know and you know, it's not. Once you start thinking like that, it's not. Easy, it's not difficult to come up with the answers. You know, they, you know, the the prison system will keep historians of the future <laughs> busy for many lifetimes. Yeah. I think. You know, why did they bang up so yeah. many people at such vast expense and turn them out more likely to commit crimes exactly. again than they went in? Right? What, what was it yeah. that made them think that that was a sure, good idea? Sure. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, yes. Phil? It, it is interesting. But um, I'm, just, I'm just sort of thinking a, <laughs> a little bit here because, I mean, we marvel at the Romans, at yeah. many of the things they yeah. did, they yeah. achieved, and, and, and we surely, deplore them. And we, de- yeah, yeah, and we deplore them. But I mean, 
I can only think that, yes, prison service, fair enough, and education to a certain extent, but... I mean, there are so many positives as well. Oh, I, that, if, that if anybody says, would you like to go back to ancient Rome? The answer is definitely no. Exactly. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. definitely not. Unless yeah. it's a, a guaranteed day return ticket, you know, <laughs> then I might. You know, but, <laughs> but, you know, it's... And but, uh, I think it's... Opening the world up and yeah. in the yeah. ways we've, we've done. No, I think that... the universe, exploding yes, the deep seas. yes. You know, what's happened yeah. in my lifetime? There's been a revolution. Yeah. And whether the revolution's entirely for the good, I don't know. You know, look at, you know, we, it's a fantastically global world, but only some people are the beneficiaries of it. Mm. Mm. And, you know, how will we... But that will always be the case. That's oh. life. That's human, unless we've become that's, all that's, robots or that's something. That's very that's... accepting of you. Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's one thing to say... Well, it's always going to be like this. It's always going to be differentials. But I think that, um, you know, one thing I'd like to do is make the elite aware. I mean, I think I would like the privileged now or in the Roman Empire or in 3,000 years' time. You know, yeah. like the privileged at least. You know, if, if we can't eradicate it, we might at least be aware of it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really, really interesting. Mary, thank you so much. I'm just going to end on one little note, but um, I believe we have both been in the past invited to participate in Celebrity Mastermind. Yes. Now, I have every right to decline that, which I've done twice because I don't able to answer a single question. However, in your case, I'm extremely surprised that you haven't embraced this with. You know, gusto uh, and all of that. I, I, I had what, abso- yeah. absolutely not a glimmer of ambivalence. I thought, there is no way, Beard, that you can come out of this <laughs> ahead. Either you won't, you'll be absolutely, you know, the general knowledge questions, you know, you'll be so bad at it and you won't know the... And people will say, my goodness me, we thought she was clever, but she was absolutely, you know, she didn't even... <laughs> She didn't know which planet was nearest the sun, you know, or whatever. Or, you know, I do brilliantly, in which case, well, what a swat, you know. I mean, goodness me. I mean, it wasn't really fair to have her on, was it? You know, so I thought, no. No, absolutely. You know, no, you know, it's it's likely to find me in that as you know, I'm oh. a celebrity, get me out of here or whatever. What about know? eggheads or pointless <laughs> no, no, or no. the chase or, Absolute, or I don't know each other programs. None. None. Really? Yeah. I think I think that um I am you know, you're too it's modest. Not, you're, or vain. You're I think t- no, I, I, modest is a very nice way of putting it. <laughs> but I think I would say she's probably too vain to do this. <laughs> You're sitting in the library, you know, conjuring up the next kind of revelation to yeah, <laughs> history or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, before you leave here, you will become an expert on the percussion instrument. Oh, great. So I'll give you a little tour right. about that. I've never seen so many in one place. Yeah, once you've eaten your tenth cake. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mary. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been fun. <laughs> there was, I did get, actually... I, I got a, an email from from Radio 4, which was Brain of Britain participation query or something like that at the top. And I thought, absolutely, no. I, I, I instantly went into my... And then 
But, I, but then I thought, oh, well, I'm going to have to reply. And when I, when, I, when I actually read it, it was asking me to present the prize. Oh, no! Oh, my gosh! I thought, fine. I, you know, at that point... That I would be able to do. I was so relieved. <laughs> I said, yes! Isn't that funny, though, what goes through your mind and that feeling of, oh, my God! God. <laughs> I would like to say a very special thank you to Audio Network for supporting my podcast. Thank you so much for listening. See you in my next one.